Hello and welcome to the final episode in season one of Reduce, Reuse, Reblog. I'm Alice and I have loved being your host over the past few episodes. Throughout the season, we have been asking the question, how is social media being used to help promote the zero waste movement? And we have had a great time hearing from individuals, influencers, charities and companies about the ways in which social media has helped them learn about and share the zero waste message. If you've missed any of those episodes, you can always go back and listen to them now to join in the discussion. However, as always, nothing is completely positive. Therefore, in this episode, we are going to be looking at a major problem in the zero waste world. To be able to carry out education and awareness on social media, we need to use electronic devices. The amount of electronic waste, also known as e-waste, is bigger than we ever imagined. In 2016, the world's population got rid of 49 million tonnes of e-waste. That is equivalent to about 4,500 Eiffel Towers. That just absolutely blows my mind. And at the moment, it's estimated that in 2021, the amount of e-waste we produced will have grown to 60 million tonnes. I don't think I can comprehend how many Eiffel Towers that's going to be. With so many new phones, laptops, TVs, tablets being produced and the pressure to always have the latest piece of tech, we are surrounding ourselves with the increasing problem of e-waste. E-waste is difficult to deal with as it contains a mixture of materials including gold, silver, copper, platinum, lithium, cobalt and more. These materials can all be reclaimed through recycling. But the issue is that the waste is also made up from toxic heavy materials like lead, mercury, polluting PVC plastic and hazardous chemicals which can harm human health and the environment. This is why so much e-waste is not being sorted and recycled but is instead going straight to landfill. Before I started googling and reading articles on e-waste, I admit I had never considered it. I was so busy focusing on reducing my plastic because I could see it ruining the oceans. I did not consider how many phones or smartwatches were being upgraded and discarded every single year. In the last episode, I asked if you thought e-waste was a problem. Caleb said he believes e-waste is a growing problem as we live in an age where technology is so important and depended upon. It means that we now easily discard of older models instead of repairing them when they break for convenience. Leia mentioned an article she recently read about AirPods, which are designed to fail after a while, and once they do, there is no way of fixing them, so they have to be thrown into landfill, as they cannot be recycled. Leia says that in general, technology isn't designed to last a long time or easily be fixed, as they want people to keep buying completely new items, and this attitude is harmful. She compared it to the fast fashion industry, which we explored in episode 4. Andy said that e-waste is a problem, and one of the reasons is because it wastes rare earth materials. Similarly, Stephen mentioned that electronics contain valuable metals, like the ones we mentioned earlier, 
and therefore it becomes essential to recycle them and it would be best if these recycling decisions were made during the pre-planning of a product so that we can reuse these precious resources which are currently going straight into landfill. Josh believes that there is currently a lack of awareness about e-waste as when people are looking into buying a new piece of tech such as a phone their motivation and decision to purchase is usually fashion-based wanting what their favourite influencer has, not because they really need it. They don't even consider what happens to their old phone. He suggested that it is the manufacturer's responsibility to make people aware of e-waste, to advertise responsibly so people aren't pressured into buying new trendy products, and to provide ways for the recycling of the tech they are producing. Thank you to everyone who got in touch. Now, to help us understand e-waste better, we have Dr. Sebastian Fernard, an assistant professor at Coventry University, here to chat on the show. Hi, Sebastian, and welcome to the show. Good morning, Alice. Thank you for having me. So, could you just start by telling us a little bit about yourself and what your job is? I'm associate uh, professor in the research centre about life sciences at um, Coventry University and um, biomedical sciences. The project I'm going to talk about today relates to biotechnology waste uh, disposal. And what we did, we we merged things together. So whereas people who use with uh, electronic waste tend to use methods which are very much uh, what is available in factories, so they burn it, they melt it, they use acid and all that. What we decided to do was to uh, to use some biomedical science or some microbiology to provide more uh, user-friendly methods. So what we do is called bioleaching, which is the use of bacteria to attack those metal in electronic waste, to actually extract them, put them back in solution, and then we can have all those metal um, as we want, and we don't have to burn, use acid, and all those methods that normally people use. Wonderful. So starting with the very basics for anyone who might not know about it, what is e-waste? So e-waste, uh, which is also sometimes you see a we, W with three E's. So that's going to be all the, um, all the wasted, all the disposal material, which is used in electronics. So in fact, nowadays it's mainly... Um, electronics that would be computers, uh, tablets, phones, and so on. But normally, it also includes some of, some of the white goods. But in, in, in our case, we're mainly targeting so computer-related material, so mainly, mainly PCBs and all the elements that stuck to your PCBs. So this, in fact, includes a lot, a lot of material because, as you know, there's more and more people using it. The demand is enormous. The technology is increasing really, really, is really improving really, really fast. So as a result, there are tons and tons and tons, in fact, thousands of tons of material, which was start being built in the 60s, 70s, 80s, which is now to be disposed of and which keeps on accumulating. So there's a really, really huge emergency to dealing with the waste. So at the moment and in the past, how has e-waste been dealt with? So interestingly, in fact, the first time I've, I was in contact with this factory we're working with, so this company called N2S, Network to Supply. We deal with um, disposal of electronic waste. The way to do it is the very little we can do on site. So the, in the factory, they just get those old computers. They pull up some of the uh, components they can. 
And then most of it would have been sent abroad to be dealt with in Asia or in Africa. So there was a very much all over Western country, there was a, a strong trend into sending things away and saying, oh, that's great. So it's all been disposed of. But the problem is that when it gets abroad, then in those countries, they have to deal with it. And the way to deal with it was either through a burning paralysis or using strong, strong acids to destroy all these material and then try to get a metal out. So not only the methods are really bad, they're really not user-friendly, they're really bad for the environment, but also the people who were doing it, in many, many cases, we people which are really... Uh, You've got little children doing it. You've got people with, uh, which can't do any other jobs. So it's really, really a terrible thing with a lot of toxic material. So when the company contacted me and I told them, well, look, first of all, we could do something which is much more uh, green, a greener methods. So we use bacteria, and those bacteria are available in the wild. So they're normal bacteria. They're not pathogenic. We can use those bacteria to extract the metal from the electronic waste. So that not only you can do that on site, but also you do that without having any any risk of uh, health risk for the for the people who will be doing it. So not only the material is kept in the UK, done on site, so much less cost, but also less less um, potential detrimental effect on people and environment. And the way that you are now doing it is through bio leaching. Could you tell us a bit about what that is? What is the process? How it works? So bioleaching is, uh, in fact, it's from the, normally in the mining industry for hundreds of years, they've talked about leaching, which is really using acids and other methods to extract precious metal from ores. So leaching has been there for a long time. Bioleaching is, in fact, instead of using acids and heat, you use uh, bacteria which attack the metal and extract the metal, oxidize the metal from the material to put the metal back in solution. So this bioleaching also has been used in the mining industry for, for quite a while. But it's, it's, a, it's a different kind of thing because if you, look in the, if you think in the mining industry, when you extract tons and tons and tons of rocks to find a tiny bit of gold, a bit of copper, the amount and the, the rate, everything is really, really not as demanding as it would be for electronic waste. So for electronic waste, your, your literature is very simple. You take your piece of uh, PCBs, so your the board which is in your in your computer. You literally put that into your solutions where your bacteria are growing, and the bacteria will actually oxidize the metal. So the copper, zinc, uh, lead, all the metal which are there will be oxidized by the bacteria. By oxidizing them, those metal instead of being in their solid forms as they are on a PCB they will be released in a medium, so in your liquid solution, so that at the end of the bioleaching process, you've got, uh, in theory, you're going to left over hard bits of, the, your, of your fiberglass, of your PCBs, but the methyl should actually be in solution. And the next stage is going to be to filter out the methyl, the metal and have some, so, some different methods to extract those metal into pure metal, whether it's copper, gold, um, silver, platinum, and so on. Now, this... This is a theory, and that's what it does. Now, of course, according to which method you're targeting, what sort of PCB you're actually putting in solutions, and which bacteria, which microorganism, you can also use yeast for that, which microorganism 
mechanism you're using, the method will actually be slightly different. Hence the result and the next method you have to do next will actually be also different. But the idea is there. So you literally put your mixture of electronic bits into your battery solution and the bacteria will actually attack the metal, which means oxidize them so that you extract them from the PCB and you put them back in solution. Is this a very new method to deal with e-waste? So to deal, to deal with e-waste, this has been used a bit in a couple of labs all over the world, but very, very little. As um, an application with industry, this is the very first one. But interestingly, uh, this, the method of bioleaching has been used for many years in the mining industry, where people have been using it to extract ores from, from rocks. But the application as we're using it now is very, very novel for industry. And why did you decide to start researching into bioleaching for e-waste? Why did you think it was important? In fact, it was a bit coincidental to start with because my background over the last uh, 20 years, I've been working on um, metal and iron in particular, but in, in health. So looking in biomedical sciences, in, uh, in medicine, why and how people can be iron deficient or iron overloaded. And that led me to work with a company who was working with um, an iron supplement. But this iron supplement being available in, the, in, in nature, that was also linked with some other organization, another organization working on bioleaching with metal in the mountain, in Wales. And putting things together, when later on I met I was fascinated with the, with the method. The method is incredible. The way you can imagine those bacteria. For millions of years, they've done that. They just pick up, put those metal back in solution. It's incredible. Very, very green. Too. And when, I'm, when I met this company who was actually working on uh, electronic recycling, I didn't know anything about microbiology, but suddenly I thought, wouldn't it be fantastic if instead of sending all these material to be processed in a very non-friendly environmental way, and in places where people do get affected by it, wouldn't it be fantastic if we could use the same method they use in the mining industry, but to recycle electronic from recycled metal, precious metal from electronic waste using bacteria. And that's how the, uh, the idea was born only uh, 18 months ago. The project has been, uh, we applied for a grant, the project was accepted, and now it's, it's very successful. So much that uh, the government through DEFRA, the Department of uh, Environment, is really interested in, uh, in, in using this methodology into different policies. So it's, it's working really well. If bioleaching was nationwide kind of thing where all the companies were doing it, would it be the solution to the amount of e-waste we currently have or would it only deal with future e-waste? So this is a great question. <laughs> There's a lot of issues there. My feeling is that, yes, we should use bioleaching to target all electronic waste, the old one, the coming one, and so forth and so on. But there's a lot of implication there. First of all, to be a bit uh, cautious with the method, the method works. But what we've done, and we've done really, really, we've done some fantastic example with gold and copper, where we can see that based on the mixture of metal you get, you need to develop, there's a lot of research and development to be done. That's fine. So before thinking of the whole world using bioleaching, we need to think of 
know, five, 10, 20 years before things get into place. This, I think, would be fine. Now, when we look at um, the methods towards recycling all electronic waste, there's, of course, it's not just where well, the method is all right, but then to put things into place, that will, will demand a lot of things, a change in, in working, a change in skills, a change in expertise, a change in people's attitudes, a change in many, many things. But altogether, being fully aware there's a lot of obstacle is still a method which is really, really, the results we got are fantastically encouraging. And a government is really, as I said, DEFRA, is really keen on, uh, on pushing this as much as we can. Mm. More like person-specific, is there anything that individuals can do to help with the e-waste issue? Or is it more important to have these big nationwide things of like bio-leaching? I think that's a good point. I think it's going to be in stages. To start with, uh, it's only... Um, a group, so we work with a company, that company, we created a lab there, and they're processing as much as they can. Now, the point is that I think they're getting just from one company, they're getting up to uh, 50 tons of material a week. So there's a lot, a lot of things to be processed, so this has to be really scaled up. We're still at a stage where we're talking about, um, we've passed a proof of concept, we've created a first lab, now this has to be an example for many, many, many people to develop. So that's a big thing. Now, on the other hand, if you want to get a picture of what will be at the end of it, I think you're right. We could have a uh, some big local um, factories or big plants within each city that would process all the electronic waste. But on the other hand, we could also think that to to design some sort of um, sort of small kits or some small things where people could actually do at least part of the job. Within, within this, um, this bioleaching, there's all the stage of dismantling, the stage of processing. The, the way that people, to be part of it, we need to have to bring the recycling electronic waste to be recycled somewhere in the right place and so on. Everybody should take part. It's not just something that will be into place tomorrow and can all forget about it. Recycling is going to be the job of everybody. And whether it's bioleaching or not, we need to all be involved in a way that will actually be done. Now, the other thing which is quite important is that to go even further than that, I think what we're doing with bioleaching, which is really part of um, bioremediation, is something that we can apply to much, much more than even electronic waste. In the longer run, we can also, I mean, it has been shown that some, macro, some microorganisms, maybe bacteria, also can be active in plastic. So this model of recycling precious metal from electronic waste is a model we can apply to many other things, including recycling plastic. So in the longer run, again, when we look at what is the plan in the future, it's, it's incredible what we can think of. It's a massive, massive potential. But saying that, well, you're right. Everybody will have to be involved right from the start. And you just mentioned plastic there. And personally, when I think of waste, I do often think of plastic. I think of disposable bags. I think of like cutlery, things like that. And my brain would never go to electronic waste. I don't think... When I, when I buy a new laptop or a new phone, I'm like, okay, this is going to go and be waste. Is that an issue with e-waste in general, do you think? I think, I think it's, a, it's the worst of all the issues. I think most of people are quite keen, especially maybe younger people, on getting just a computer that works faster, that is um, cheaper, more competitive, more efficient, and so forth and so on. So when we start talking to uh, to everybody and telling them, hang on a sec, 
the recycling is not just about having, when your machine is over, you put it in a bin. Recycling is going to be about the way people work with it. With plastic, there's been a huge advert about the whole thing, so people are more aware of it. With electronic waste, which is as bad as plastic, as an amount, but also as some of the uh, toxic metal which are being to be recycled there, and some of them which are disappearing, getting short of it. At some stage, I could say we, the sort of electronic recycling, might become worse than what we actually get with plastic. But people are in denial, not just because they're not interested, also because we are creating more waste by the minute. Every time we buy a new piece of electronics, that piece of electronic has to be thought of being recycled at the end of life, which are shorter and shorter. What this implies also mainly is that more and more now, whenever a manufacturer is actually creating a piece of electronic equipment, it is important that the recycling should be on their mind. And this is one of the main issues that we're discussing with, um, with DEFRA. This is the case for many things. So with plastic and electronics, we've just been creating, consuming, using, ending up with the mountains of waste. And now we've got an issue to face, the big, big problems. Now, there are new products coming on the market, which are not yet a massive amount of waste, but will become in five, 10 years. And we haven't thought of it. I'm thinking particularly of batteries, electric batteries for electric cars. So when we talk of um, lithium batteries, for example, for the time being, we don't have that many electric cars. People just want faster car, cheaper car, more efficient and so on. Great. So batteries are bigger and bigger, better and better. But the problem is that lithium battery is a good example because we cannot recycle efficiently lithium as it stands. So what will happen when we'll have millions of those cars all over the world? This is an issue. And if we do the same with plastic and electronic waste, we're going to wait the next 20 years for then being facing the mountains of lithium batteries. We shouldn't do that. So what we're trying to do through DEFRA is to go back and work with the battery manufacturers so that the batteries are made to be recycled, which is not something we've done with neither plastic nor electronic waste. That is amazing. And I really hope the research that you continue to do with this keeps just going great because it is something that's really important and I don't think is spoken about enough when we're thinking about reducing our waste and reducing all of that. So thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you very much, Alice. For links and diagrams about bioleaching and Sebastian's work, go to www.reducereusereblog.com. Go to season one and episode six, where all the resources are available. This brings us to the end of season one of Reduce, Reuse, Reblog. We set out to find out how social media is being used to promote the zero waste movement. And we have learned the range of ways in which individuals, influencers, charities and companies are all using social media to raise awareness and educate people about reducing their waste. And also the issues that come alongside using social media as a source of information in the world of fake news. We have also found out the possible negative side effects of using social media through the creation of e-waste but also the new methods that are being created to solve the problem. 
Overall, I think social media is being used in so many ways to promote the zero waste movement. And it is a key way to educate people about environmental issues. However, using social media will only make a difference to the movement if people see the content and actively make a decision to do something about it by making adjustments to our current lifestyle choices and then spreading the message to others. I hope you've all enjoyed this first season of Reduce, Reuse, Reblog. And my final question to you all is, what small change are you going to make to help reduce your everyday waste? I would love to hear your feedback on season one of the show. As always, to find out more information about the series, this episode, or to see the survey results, go to www.reducereuseblog.com to get involved in the show and to see any future updates on new seasons, follow at reducereusereblog on Instagram.